Hello, welcome to this week's Opening Bell podcast. I'm Boxing News Editor Tris Dixon, joined by Matt Christie. Matt, what's going on? Um, there's quite a bit going on at the moment, isn't there? Just recovering from Frotch Groves being announced, the return, and now we've got Chisora Fury to try and get excited Are you excited about? by that? I've got to say, I like the fight. I think it's a close fight, hard to pick a winner. I've actually had like some negative tweets about that fight. People disinterested, saying that both of them are often out of shape and, and not up for it. But I, mean, I think it's a really good fight. I mean, name me five better heavyweight fights out there at the moment. I probably couldn't, to be honest with you. I, I think it is a good fight. And if you have to, you have to basically now take David Hay out of the equation. You take David Hay out of the equation. They're the two best heavyweights in the country. Um, I've also seen some criticism, people saying, well, it shouldn't be for the British title because whoever wins will probably then relinquish it. But ultimately, it's good to see the British title pinned to a fight of this magnitude. Yeah, I agree. I mean, would you rather it be, f- and I don't want any disrespect here, uh, but say Ian Lewison and John McDermott or Chisora and Fury? Yeah, exactly. It's no brainer, isn't it? You think so. You think so. But it's been a busy week, though. We were, were both at the press conference on Monday. Uh, Fury and Chisora were in fine fettle. Um, anything you can take home from their first head-to-head? You know, who who has the upper hand? No, I mean, it, it's... Fury absolutely thrives in situations like that. Sometimes his mouth runs away with him before his brain has got time to catch up. Uh, there's a few little moments like that, but that's no surprise. Fury loves Fury loves that kind of stage. The one thing I did notice is that Fury looked a lot trimmer than he did. He looked a lot trimmer at the press conference than he did the last time I was in the ring against Joey Abel. And Derek looked in fine shape too. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, hopefully... Hopefully they will. I mean, neither of them are going to turn up sculpted and body beautifuls, but hopefully they will will both be in the best fighting shape. And if that is the case, then we've got an interesting fight. Yeah, I think um, the only time I thought I saw anyone rattled was Chisora slightly when Fury was saying, I mean, Chisora had been saying that he he was experienced, he'd been around, he had his defeats and learned from them. Chisora, uh, Tyson Fury countered and said, basically, you've taken some beatings off some big fighters, some big punches, and it's all mileage. And Chisora didn't seem to like that that much. That was that was my observation, and I wonder if that was a plant from Fury, whether he's trying to get into Chisora's mind that, you know, maybe he has taken some big hits and that, you know, the, the run of hard fights that he had where he sort of lost three or four on the spin and, and fought some decent guys is, is taking a toll. It's it's certainly something interesting. It hadn't occurred to me prior to that, but I noticed kind of Chisora look a little bit peeved by that comment. But if you do think about it, um, I mean, Chisora has gone through his career, and one of the things that people will always say about him is he's got a fantastic chin. Um, and it's it's easy to pick holes from the outside in what have, has been a good, uh, you know, an impressive resurgence. But there have been times during the combat, Edmund Gerber rocked him momentarily, um, Parla also well, had had Chisora rocking at some point. So yeah, perhaps Chisora's punch resistance is slowly being eroded. I still, though, do think that Chisora is in the form of his career at the moment. A lot of people think Fury, because he won before, will win again. Uh, is it that cut and dried? Um, no, it's not that cut and dried. Nothing ever is, is it, in boxing? But you also, the fact the fight went the distance and okay... Uh, Chisora wasn't in great shape. You could also argue, really, that Fury wasn't in great shape then either. 
Um, and although Chisora had his moments, Fury won that convincingly. At the end of the 12th round, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that Fury had won by six or seven points on that night. Um, and it's quite rare then for a rematch when a fight's gone the distance and somebody has shown their superiority over the full the, the full distance for that re that that result to be reversed. So I can understand why Fury will be the favourite and he is the favourite, but I do make Chisora a very live underdog because when he had his moments in those in that fight, he was unsettling Tyson. Okay, let's um, segue this into the heavyweight division, but across the pond in Puerto Rico, uh, where Deontay Wilder fought Malik Scott last week. Um, we'll go on to the main event in that, on that bill in a minute. But Deontay Wilder beat Malik Scott. Um, I didn't stay up for it live. I woke up, saw the results, saw that Scott had been stopped in a round. Was really, really very excited, thinking, wow, Wilder's for real. You know, this is a guy who was meant to go rounds, who doesn't just fold. Uh, and I turned on the TV, watching the Box Nation recording, thinking... Wow, let's see this, you know, let's see Wilder really take out a top level, you know, a top level contender. Not a top level, you know what I mean? Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. one of the top fringe guys, I suppose. A guy who's sort of top 20 anyway, top 15 to top 20. You know what I mean, don't you? But yeah, top, top 17. Top, top 35. <laughs> no, what I mean is the top of the bottom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, what yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you. Yeah, I, I completely messed that up. But a guy who's not in the top 10, but near the top of the rest, best of the rest. Anyway, still didn't make that clear. Look, Wilder went to watch <laughs> it and I was so disappointed. I was thinking, wow, this fight, this this guy's for real, it's all the rest of it. And basically it looked like he hit Malik Scott who took a lot of the punch on his gloves and the fight was all over. Um, really disappointed i mean it it wasn't it wasn't a despite a one round knockout that looks glossy on the record it wasn't a defining performance by any stretch of the imagination was it no no it wasn't it did it looked to me at the time as if it was the left hand beforehand before that final shot which had caused the majority of the damage and the the right that followed through more or less kind of pushed him over in a way um but it wasn't no it wasn't and i almost put um i think in last week's heroes and villains about malik scott and, and deontay wilder that either deontay wilder will get some rounds and we'll learn about him or if it doesn't go rounds we've got another highlight reel knockout and it wasn't one that you're going to put on the highlight reel um but even so i mean whether whether malik scott could have could have continued or not um i don't for one second think that it, the fight was a fix, um, but the fact that Malik Scott didn't continue and whether he was on the covers, I do not want to take any more of that. It was still, it's still fairly impressive for Deontay Wilder to be getting rid of guys like that in the first round, irrespective of, of, of whether the finish will make it onto a, you know, a highlight video or not. Yeah. Also on the bill, topping uh, was Danny Garcia against Maurizio Herrera. Um, Herrera, a tough customer. Um, who gave Garcia fits. Um, what do you make of it? I mean, Danny Garcia, was he motivated? Was Herrera always going to give him trouble? Um, Garcia thinking of fights down the line rather than what's on the job at hand? Or is Garcia a guy who fights to the level of his opposition? Uh, a guy who raised, the, raised his game against Amir Khan, Lucas Matisi, and one or two others, but then 
against uh, Herrera and you could also put maybe Ashley Theophane as a guy who's not a top tier guy but who, who gave Garcia an absolute uh, handful um, is, Ga is Garcia a guy who fights to the level of his opposition? Yeah I mean all those things you mentioned I think they're all they're all valid points um, it wasn't a great decision I've seen far far worse um, Garcia seemed to be landing the heavier punches but I mean all of a sudden, people are jumping on this. Oh, Danny Garcia has been overrated his entire career and everything else. Maybe he does fight to level his opposition. You know, Herrera, with with hindsight, was going to give him fits and probably would in a rematch if Garcia knew what he was letting himself in for. That doesn't make Danny Garcia a bad, you know, a bad fighter. And I'm not saying Danny Garcia is anything like James Tony, but what it reminded me of a little bit was James Tony against Dave Tiberi back in the early '90s. Um, that was a bad decision. Yeah, that that was even worse. But James Tony was not a bad fighter. He had a bad night, and every champion, more, pretty much, you know, to, you know, all of them have a bad night. If Garcia goes on, he loses his next fight. He looks dreadful in doing so. Then perhaps, then perhaps we can say, you know, we we, we can we can say that he he didn't deserve the plaudits. But until that happens, the jury is still out. Do you know what I think? It was a show last year called The One, right? <laughs> <laughs> when Danny Garcia beat Lucas Matisse last year. So many people wrote Danny Garcia off and he came back and he boxed brilliantly. He beat Matisse, beat the bully, stood up to him, proved everything that he had to prove as a fighter. And I can't believe people are knocking him now. I mean, so he got lucky on the scorecards for sure. That's a widely held um, conception because yeah. we've seen that now um, through Fight Score Collector, uh, Bobby Hunter, who's found out what, 50, about 15% of the press thought that Garcia deserved it? Yeah, less than that. I think it's so like 12.5% or something Okay, like so it was widely understood that Herrera deserved it, but don't question how Garcia, how good Garcia is when you were saying that Matisse was this and he was that, and then Garcia went and stopped him. You know, this just means that Herrera is a proper handful, a guy who's beaten Provodnikov before. He can fight. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't argue, Matt. No, I'm not going to because I agree. I think it is, and it, but it's typically boxing, isn't it? The people will, people do get angry, a little bit more angry than they should about certain things. And please, I'm not for one second kind of sidestepping the issue of bad decisions. It is, it is an evil in the game, but I suspect it's one that we're never going to get rid of. Um, and yeah, okay, Danny Garcia got lucky. But like you say, he hasn't turned into a bad fighter overnight. And I, I, I do think it was a case of styles make fights. It was a case of Herrera being all wrong for him rather than, um, you know, Garcia underestimating him too much. Guest column from John Scully is really poignant this week, actually, with that discussion in the sense that all these elite fighters, they don't have elite performances every fight. Mm. Uh, I, think it, I think it made it in there, but... Cassius Clay, as he was then against Doug Jones, mm. um, Mayweather against Castillo. You know, they're not vintage performances every time. You know, guys don't get to 40 and 0, 50 and 0, and, and box brilliantly every fight. They just don't. It doesn't happen. And, and sometimes they get a benefit of a decision as well. It allows that run to continue. Um, I think Garcia had a bad night in the office, and I, I don't think he's a bad fighter overnight. No, I agree. And it's, you can make that case about pretty much every sport as well, can't you? You know, not every, but it's kind of boxing is one of the least forgiving of sports. If, you have a, if you're a footballer, you have a bad game, 
you know, okay, it happens. You're you tennis player. You have a you have a bad game, or you have sorry, you have a yeah, sorry, you have a bad bad game. Then there's another tournament coming up in a few weeks' time. Um, it is. It, it happens in in all walk of life. We all have bad days. We all have bad nights. However much we prepare, um, it happens. You know, let's 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 not let's not draw too much from it until we've got up a few more things to to kind of lay evidence on, like his next few performances. Sure, because I mean, you've got to look at Danny Garcia's body of work and not one fight. He's now what yeah. about 25, 20, 26, 27 fights yeah. unbeaten, something like that. Um, and you know that one win he's 28 and 0 16 stoppages that one disputed win against Herrera it's hardly like it undoes everything that he's done until that point in his yeah, career exactly okay also on the undercard I'm not sure if you've seen it yet do you see one Manuel Lopez Daniel still haven't seen it still haven't I've seen, seen the second round today what a treat that is go and put that on I found it on YouTube um whew. wow <laughs> you know it's hard to say where either fighter goes from here to be honest because we don't know much more about Lopez apart from he's probably closer to the end than the start. And the same can be said for Ponce de Leon. Um, but both looking vulnerable, both still punch. Um, Going to be interested to see where they both go from here. Um, Juan Manuel Lopez um, won in the second round, climbed off the deck to beat Ponce de Leon a second time. We have Brian Graham there from Sports Illustrated uh, covering the fight for us. Uh, he's filed a fine report it's well worth uh, reading to read about um, what he's called a contender for round of the year round two um, in Liverpool Matt Tony Bellew debuted at Cruiserweight against Valerie Brudov uh, in a bruising encounter um, Bellew won 12th round stoppage John Denham was ringside for us um, Bellew the, is he going to win a world title at Cruiserweight could he beat Marco Hook? Mm, difficult one. I would probably say no um, at the moment. Um, but you can't you can't write him off. Fantastic, really, performance from from flawed, but but fantastic, enjoyable. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he did well. He looked he looked he looked superb early in the early going, and then he started to lose his way. Um, but the fact that he that he found it again really speaks volumes for Bellew's character. Okay, also uh, on the bill, there was a big talking point when Rocky Fielding uh, failed the scales the day before uh, the f his fight with Charles Adamu. Um, there was, uh, Rocky had problems in the build-up when Tony Dodson fell out of the fight and apparently he's had some niggles and injuries, um, but still seven pounds overweight. Um, I would like to see fighters who don't make the weight not allowed to fight. Yeah, and I'd like to see people stop bending rules, stop making other fighters make concessions to benefit the fighter who hasn't made the weight. Just don't let them fight because if they don't fight, they don't get paid. Yeah, no. And if they no can't make the weight that. safely, then they shouldn't be in that weight class. No argument with that. Um, Kel Brook for Alvaro uh, Robles or Robles, <laughs> um, depending on. I, what, I like I like Robles. It depend depending on your commentary. Um, <laughs> Brooke, I mean, it's hard to say. He did what he needed to do, really, didn't he? He did. He did do what he needed to do. He, I'm still not as convinced by Kel Brook as I was a few years ago. I'm afraid. I'm not sure what it is, um, but there's just something there with Kel Brook that I'm not convinced by. Um, but I do think the fight with um, B 
be it Sean Porter or Paul Malinaji, um, is one where you can make a strong case for Brook being the victor. Yeah, I think the thing is uh, with Kel Brook, um, I give him a, sh a shout against either of those fighters. Um, it's just whether he's been waiting around too long now, whether yeah. he's still motivated, whether he still believes he can do it, whether he still has, has that enthusiasm and ambition to deliver at yeah. that level. Um, because it seems like he's running out of motivation for the level that he's been boxing at. Yeah, no, again, again, I, I, I do agree with you. Um, but it, but we may be wrong, and he may he may look sensational against Sean Porter, um, stop him early, and then he's made that step. It's been a while for him to get there, but he's made that step, and it may suit him down to the ground. Did you see the Kevin Mitchell fight yet? I did see the Kevin Mitchell fight. I've got to haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it through my fingers tomorrow from what I've heard. Mm. Uh, what happened? Kevin Mitchell against Mikhail... Uh, Avakian. Yeah, it was a bit of a mess, really. Um, I mean, Avakian, I'm not sure any bouts he'd had. I think something like, what, 30, 30 something fights, and he'd won 20 of, more than 20 of them. Yeah, I, he looked like, he reminded me, I mean, my experience in a boxing ring is very, very limited. Let's say I wasn't very impressive, and he reminded me of myself in a boxing ring, to be honest. It I think was no coordination, it was all over the place. In an interview with iFilm London, that his, his matchmaker should be shot. Yeah, yeah, he really, he really should. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a real, it was a mismatch. And, you know, the, his opponent, the, the Georgian was gutsy. Um, almost to a fault. Uh, he wanted to continue at the end after being dropped numerous times. Um, and Mitchell, against that kind of opposition, is a different league. It really, that fight should never have been made. Okay. On that bill, uh, there was an impressive win for Neil Perkins, who's yeah. outscored Eric Hodging. Uh And then it was the start of the Maxi Nutrition Tournament in Reading, where Dean Francis fell short against Bob Adjusafe in what was, I'd have to say, a surprisingly crowd thrilling bout yeah well you you know no disrespect to Bob Adjusafe but you mentioned Bob Adjusafe in, in a fight and you think oh dear you know and, and the fact this was on, on terrestrial television as well I must admit I was a little bit concerned but absolute fair play to the pair of them um, both showed um, how much they wanted it at this stage of their careers ultimately it all came a little bit too late I fear for Dean Francis and uh, you know he was it Tony Oki you beat in nine rounds in 2008, yeah, 2009? Yeah, I, I covered that fight. That was a cracking fight, really, wasn't it? Um, but Dean Francis, he never... He was one of those that I thought would go on to world level. He never quite made it. Injuries really hampering his progress all the way. He'll go in the category, I think, as one of the best Brits never to win a world title. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, not up there with Bomber Graham and, and maybe the elite guys, but certainly uh, with that weight division, as it was at the time... Um, you know, he was one of those guys that could have been for pitching against someone like Marcus Bayer, someone like yeah, that. Yeah. Glenn Catley yeah. would have been a big fight. Um, so, you know, there was, there was guys out there that he might have beaten had he been able to stay yeah. healthy through his entire career. Uh, this weekend, we've got in previews of the Atlanta Solis tony Thompson fight, which you've done, and I've looked at the Channel 5 offerings with Kid Galahad, and a really interesting fight, which I found really tough to call, between Danny McIntosh and Travis Dickinson at mm. light heavyweight. John Denon's spoken to Lewis Colazzo, who has thrown his name in the hat for the Amir Khan fight. Would you like to see Khan fight Colazzo? 
Yeah, I would. Uh, John and I were talking about this last week. I would like to see the fight, um, but I think if I was um, an advisor of Amir Khan, I'd probably, I'd probably tell him not to. It's 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 such a, a risky risky contest. Banana skin, you'd call it, would you? Yeah, c- p- perhaps perhaps more so. It's um, it's not just it's not just what it's not just Colazzo's accomplishments that were concerned me. It's his style, um, and I'm not saying I'd pick Colazzo for sure to beat to beat Amir Khan, but he's got the style to give Amir Khan fits. But on the other hand, if Khan comes out, stops him, or wins every round and does a job on Colazzo that very very few have. If if anyone, um, then Khan quite quite justifiably can can put himself in the welterweight mix. Okay, and then John has also spoken with Tony Jeffries this week, who's living it up in Los Angeles um, with his box and burn gym. A feature that's well worth a look uh, as John speaks to the um, 2008 Olympic Games uh, bronze medalist about life as a trainer, having had to retire from the sport through hand injuries. Um, so there's plenty of interesting stuff in the magazine this week. Matt, I said to the readers, or listeners, should I say online, uh, that we would answer some questions. Okay. So let's get started. From our friend Bobby Hunter, actually. <coughs> Fight score collector. Do you think refs, judges, should be demoted, promoted for good or bad performances in the UK and worldwide? Um, it would be an ideal, ideal scenario if we could do that. But then, um, how do we monitor their performance? Um, it would be interesting. I know there are cases where where judges are called in and they're asked to watch the fight again and explain exactly why they called the fight as they did. Um, but but who does their answer have to satisfy at the end of the day? Um, it, it's again, it's a grey area as, as, as in sport is absolutely full of grey areas. But in an ideal world, if we could conclusively say that a, re, that, that a referee or a judge or an official had had a bad night, and then yeah, yeah, well, after one or maybe after two or three or what? Because after uh, one, it's quite harsh, isn't it? If, yeah, if yeah. If someone makes a mistake, and certainly if they hold their hands up, they haven't done it before. Do you think what two strikes, three strikes, or, or do you think one fight get demoted and? perform better lower down and then get promoted again just so it could be as simple it's as a that good, it's a good question and I guess you know for we're all prone to mistakes so I guess you have to give them you know one one chance to get it wrong but you know very often just that one chance can can really really put somebody's career back okay I'll take the next question which comes from Josh Stables um, do you reckon Golovkin will step up a division or go down one and fight Mayweather in the near future. Uh, I'd like to say I'd like to see Mayweather Golovkin. I really would, but I can't see it happening. Uh, I can see Golovkin going up uh, simply because I think that Chavez fight could happen, and Chavez will want it at one sixty-eight, maybe one seventy-eight. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, so I can see Golovkin moving up to super middleweight, where there's obviously a lot of fun fights for him. There was talk of him fighting Froch as well, so. Uh, you know, Froch fights Groves, you know, that's another fight for him there. Um, basically, if he's not going to get the Martinez-Cotto fight, there's not really any point in him staying around at middleweight mm. any longer. So the options, the money will be at super middleweight. So, yeah, I see him moving up. Uh, Matt, let me see. 
are people going over the score saying Garcia Herrera was going over the top, I guess, saying Garcia Herrera was a robbery? It was a close fight. I had at one point to Herrera. That's from Andy P. Yeah, I mean, there are, I, I think people have gone over the top. I've seen far, 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 far worse decisions. Um, and, I mean, you mentioned Bobby Hunter there. He he scored it level. There was a few people that scored it level. There was a few people at it one point either way. Um, I think when it, when it's a robbery, that's when you've got 100% of people saying, or 99% of people saying that uh, the wrong guy won the fight. That's when it's an outright robbery. Um, so yeah, yeah, in answer to that question, I agree with 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 the essence of what you're saying. I think too much has been made of it. Okay, let's answer this question together from Suki Haya. Uh, if you could create four fights for the Frotch Groves two undercard, what would they be? Obviously, you got to have a match from Slant, given the um, given the, the promoters of the show. So uh, you think of their stable. Um, it would have been ideal for Barker Stern, wouldn't it? Or or Bellew cleverly, that would have been interesting. Um, yeah. But the thing is, it's sold out, right? So what's to gain by putting on any other great fights? I mean, that's what the promoters would say. But the question, I suppose, is if you could create any four fights for it, what would it be? Hmm. It's a tough one. Well, there's talk of uh, Kevin Mitchell fighting Miguel Vasquez for a lightweight title. Not a fight I'd love to see, but I'd like to see Mitchell against Gavin Reese on that bill. I'd like to see that. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. Um, Given that Corolla's fighting Murray in April. So so can we go with that? Can I put that on Mitchell yeah. Reese? Just yeah. on the wish list? Um, yeah. You think maybe you could get some Lee Selby action on there, possibly? Um, trying to think. Obviously, oh, put Big Josh in with Matt Skelton. Matt Skelton, you reckon? No. Sprott? Sprott. Yeah. Although they're both, you know, again, no disrespect to Skelton or Sprott, they've both got a little bit of, they could be sparked in 20 seconds, look about them these days, haven't they? Um, but I think, yeah, maybe maybe Sprott, maybe Sprott. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So Sprott and uh, Anthony Joshua, and then, I mean, you'd like a couple of really high-caliber fights, wouldn't you? But, um, uh, Bellew's just fought, so I can't see him being out again at the end of... Uh, May and a bruising fight it was too. Uh, Quigg's fighting in April. It's quite slim pickings. It is, and ultimately as well, with a fight of this magnitude, and I might be kind of going against general consensus here, um, but and uh, do, do we do we need to to stack it? Do we need to stack? Well, not, no, not I mean they said four fights. I hear there's only going to be five or six yeah. fights on the bill. Full stop. Yeah. But I mean, what? Because of curfews or what have you. And I'm not, you know, I'm, but but if you you look through you look through history, and it was kind of almost like a recent phenomenon. When I say recent, kind of like 80s, 80s, 90s, where cards were suddenly stacked. But you go back a bit further than that, and you, I mean, what what was the support for for Ali Frazier, for example? And a lot of those fights. If you look, there's the support. There's a massive gulf because people are just there to see that one fight. To see that one fight. Um, and also, I mean, when when you are there and you're watching, and and as much as you you cannot wait for that main event, that frotch, the frotch groves. If you've just been through four 12 round fights beforehand, as much as you've enjoyed them, you're a little bit you're a little bit drained. You know, whether you're a whether you're a punter, whether you're working there, whatever, it's a little bit much 
beforehand. It'd be like watching three or four films before. It'll be, it'll be like going to the cinema and, and then banging on three or four films before. Or watching two, two championship matches before Premier League. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, in answer to Suki's question, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll Frampton, Frampton Quig. Could we not bang that on there? Let's, let's imagine Frampton's... Not fighting in April. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's fights that you'd love to see. When yeah. You know, I mean, if... if Okay, say it's a dream scenario. You'd have Be- Bellew Cleverly, Frampton Quigg. Yeah. Joshua and Burt Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the answer he's looking for. Well, kind of let me say, I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if they could have one other title fight and then some really nice, intriguing, like, eight, ten rounders. Yeah, Mitchell Reese. That yeah, would yeah, do it. Yeah, Mitchell Reese. Yeah. So, yeah, that, 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 there we go. We'll stick with that, to- that card. Yeah. Okay. Um... Now, a question from Dewey Powell. Is it live this week, the podcast? No, it's not. Sorry, we've just recorded this. Um, <laughs> a question from Brad. What's your take on the Frotch Groves ticketing situation with so many being sold on the grey market at exorbitant prices? Um, it's, I hate it. I think it's terrible. Um, it's also just a phenomenon that isn't boxing only. Uh, I'm sure if you wanted World, Ki- World Cup tickets for Rio de Janeiro, you'd have the same issue. Um, if you wanted to go and see Beyonce somewhere, you'd probably have the same issue. Uh, if you wanted to go and see Chaz and Dave at Bournemouth, maybe not. Yeah. Um, it, it's all supply and demand. And, it, it, you know, I personally, I think the government should act and inc- introduce some legislation about these ticket touts and and, and the middlemen. Um, who snap up? Who can be proved to have been to have bought too many tickets? Um, I think that something needs to be done because the real fans aren't going there. That said, someone linked to that promotion, the Frotch Grows promotion, said to me, "Well, real fans are saying they can't go, but these real fans saying that they can't go. How many shows have they been to in the last five years? Uh, you know, mm. it does make you wonder. But at the mm. same time, flagship events like this, I have some friends who are real fans." who haven't been able to get tickets and they're they're gutted so it's you know in an ideal world people real fans would get to go but then like i felt for the olympics i didn't go to the olympics i've been a sports fan all my life followed all the british sports stars followed all the sporting athletes all all the athletes all the way through um you know from a child to now i could probably list you every famous or semi-famous british athlete yeah, and I couldn't get tickets. Yeah, and yeah. I, I know loads of people who went had never been interested in sport before. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I mean, is it fair? It's not, is it? But no, that's just the way it not. works. It's it's difficult. And you mentioned that. I mean, that, that I remember that a few years ago, Glastonbury kind of had this problem in that people were snapping up all the tickets. They're all then within seconds be on eBay or what have you. So what they tried to do is is they introduced a thing where there was a limit for the amount of tickets, and you had to send in a photograph beforehand so that the photograph would go on the ticket. And there's this whole registration process, but it's such a long-winded and complicated way of doing Probably things. Probably expensive for the organisers Well, exactly, too. exactly. I mean, I'm not sure there is a solution. I completely understand people's frustration, but I think perhaps they're venting their frustration on the wrong people. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I don't know how it worked, but when Matchroom had everyone register for their tickets the weekend before, the week before, with email alerts and stuff, maybe people could have registered something to a database, but I don't know. Uh, I don't like how it works across the board for all these entertainment things, but particularly boxing. And particularly, I've got to say, 
in Las Vegas for the casinos, where the where the where the demand is very very high for, and there's just an arena of about fifteen thousand at the mm. MGM, and you hear about tickets going there in an hour or two hours, and and yet they're still available all the way through fight week. Yeah, and yeah. it's just you know how do you get tickets to those things? It's just yeah. it's just a nightmare. One question, who's Khan fighting? It's getting annoying now. That's from Neil. Uh, it's looking like Colazo heard about Sean Porter being in the running, but now Sean Porter's fighting Malinaji. Uh Have you heard any other names? There was Floyd another Mayweather, one. maybe. No, there was another one doing the rounds. Maybe we could put that out to Twitter. I can't remember off the top of my head. But there was Colazo, there was Porter, who it's obviously not going to be, and there was someone else. Might come back to me in a minute. Um, let me see. With Brooke fighting at 152, Fielding and Canelo overweight, is there a fine line between in best shape and making weight? This is from Kasim. Um, now, I'll take a bit of this question on. I'd, I mean, the situation with Brooke is it was, an, it was a non-title fight. He finds making welterweight hard, so it was unnecessary for him to drag his weight down to 147 pounds because he didn't need to make that. You know, in the in the past, there have been a lot of non-title over the weight fights and over the weight, f you know, catch weight fights where fight where boxers have kept busy. Canelo was agreed at a different weight, wasn't it? But he came in a pound yeah. over. Yeah. A pound is tough. It's not ideal, but it's not quite the same as Rocky Fielding seven pounds overweight. Um, is there is there a fine line between being in the best shape and making weight? I think if you're making weight, you're probably not going to be in the best shape. Mm. I think you know probably I don't know seventy percent of boxers are probably in weight classes that they shouldn't be in. Um, I might be speaking for I might be that might be you know I just banded that figure out there, but um, you know if if it shouldn't it shouldn't be so such a struggle where fighters are really boiling themselves down to make weight, that's for sure. Um, <coughs> okay, let me ask two more, Matt. Consense, uh, consensual boredom kicking in. <laughs> what's uh, This is from Colin. Uh, what's the point of Chisora and Fury boxing for the British title? Both will vacate. Title is frozen again. Wouldn't it be better for the next tier down to contest the title? Fury fight doesn't need the added attraction other fights do. Just think they're above that level, and it will give other fighters a chance to get some momentum. Well, no, well, maybe, maybe, maybe the the fight doesn't need that, but I think the British title certainly does. Um, the British title has sometimes been lost over the years. It hasn't had um, the interest that it had many, many years ago. Back in the day, people like Henry Cooper and what have you defending their British titles would be front page news across all newspapers, not just on boxing news front pages. Um, and it's, I think it's nice to see that. And I think, as, as you said earlier, Tris, as well, who, who else is going to contend for the British title? Okay, if, it's, if the British title is effectively suspended by this Fury, Fury Chisora, then at least it gives some other guys to kind of make their case to, to say that they deserve to be fighting for the British title. I don't, I don't see why it's a bad thing. I don't. I think it's all, it's all good for the fighters involved and for the British title and for the reputation of the Lonsdale belt. Okay, nicely summed up. I get what he says about keeping it moving and you know getting other fighters to fight for it and stuff, but this is a big fight, so let's lump all, as many yeah. marbles into it as yeah. possible. The European title's also on the line, which you know the winner, I don't know, will he, he might vacate and free that up while he goes on and yeah. fights for the world title. We'll just have to see. Um, 
Uh, one more question. Uh, should the British Boxing Border, this comes from Wes Palmer, should the British Boxing Border Control keep retired fighters involved in the sport, train them in judging or officiating fighters? That would be great. It would be great if there was more for, for old fighters. It would be good if there were pension funds, retirement plans, training programs. Uh, it would also make sense for the judging and officiating of fights. However, I think there's more than a thousand active fighters at the moment um, in the UK, uh, and I'm sure there can't be a thousand roles for them all. Um, so it's not feasible to do that, but there's nothing wrong with ex-fighters getting involved. In fact, um, I'm sure many of the listeners know, but obviously British Boxing Border Control uh, General Secretary Robert Smith was a former professional himself uh, who once fought Lloyd Hunnigan. Yeah. Uh, and like a lot of people, didn't last the distance <laughs> with Lloyd Hunnigan. Um, so, yeah, hopefully um, that answers that question. Um, it's been another... Thrill ride, Matt. I've enjoyed it. It's been good. I've enjoyed it despite accusations of boredom. I have enjoyed myself. Okay, good. Um, moving swiftly on. I think we're, I think we're there. Um, we will be back next week, I'm sure, talking about the delights of Sheffield where Kid Galahad's in action. Um, we're talking about the heavyweight clash that you've previewed this week, Tony Thompson and Lenny Solis. A really tough fight to preview, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I didn't have to make the call on that. I keep getting asked all the time who's going to win between Frotch and Groves. All the time. To the point where someone just asked me that at lunch a minute ago. And I couldn't... The the question had lost all meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, my my response is quite a standard response now. I think that fight... Could be, could be, and obviously we'll know nearer the time, won or lost during the press events and the build-up yeah. uh, to what happens on May 31st, uh, which means I will be keeping my opinions on that, on who's going to win uh, close to my chest until preview week because I think there's a long way to go in that build-up. Uh, until next time, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this is me and Matt Christie signing off after another opening bell. Thanks for listening.